0: Hello and welcome to the Bitcoin and Global Finance podcast with me, Jason Dean, in partnership with Luno Wallet and Exchange. Here we talk about all things Bitcoin and all things financial and try and make some sense of them. If you'd like to get in touch with me, then I'll give you some contact details at the end of this podcast, or if you're listening on YouTube, just leave a comment below. Before we get stuck into today's rather interesting topic, I just want to acknowledge Luno's support in helping make this podcast possible. LUNO is one of the world's leading cryptocurrency wallets and exchanges, trusted by over 5 million customers in 40 countries. It's no secret, of course, if you follow me on Twitter or Medium, that I've been recommending LUNO for quite some time, especially if you're new to the space. And the reason for that is it's a lovely clear setup and it's an easy and secure way to buy, exchange or hold Bitcoin. And actually not just Bitcoin, there's other cryptos there as well, such as Litecoin, Ripple and Ethereum simply go to luno.com that's l-u-n-o.com for the details or download the app on your android or apple device in fact if you do that are of 18 and based in the uk or europe i'm going to give you 10 pounds worth of bitcoin courtesy of luno absolutely free to get you started on the app and the way i'll be doing that is by giving you a code at the end of this podcast and a little bit of guidance on how to do it so stay tuned for that but in the meantime it's great to have you here with me today as we dive into our chosen subject for this podcast so welcome to today's episode which is called bitcoin will never go to zero now obviously that's a very bold statement and you're going to quite rightly want some evidence for that so let's have a look at what we're dealing with and why i now think that bitcoin going to zero is pretty much off the table for good now, obviously, the statement itself that Bitcoin is either going to become one of the world's most valuable assets or will actually go to zero is a pretty common observation. It's a pretty simple one. And in reality, it's probably quite accurate because the thing is, Bitcoin is not something that will half work. So it's either going to succeed completely in its mission of being a way of moving real value around the world or storing value, or it will fail completely in that mission. So, you know, quite appropriately, it's a binary outcome. It's kind of either a one or a zero. And those of us, uh, like myself, who are in the industry, who work with and promote Bitcoin day in and day out, understand those risks. So while Bitcoin is very different from traditional fiat currencies and Yeah, as we've discussed before, it carries, it carries a number of advantages over the existing system. It still relies on one common aspect. Now, at least in part. And of course, that aspect is confidence. And it's it's pretty much, you know, what all fiat currencies are based on. Not that I'm really putting Bitcoin in the same category as fiat currency, but there still needs to be an element of confidence. So that I send you Bitcoin, you're confident to accept it and you're confident that you can use it somewhere. Now, Bitcoin obviously has the advantage that it's outside of human control, which is really important because we humans are pretty rubbish if you give us control of stuff like this. And of course, it is actually backed by something which is the absolute certainty of mathematics but even so it still needs that belief and as we've seen elsewhere in the world of traditional currencies loss of confidence happens all the time so we're all familiar with those images of people struggling to carry enormous bundles of useless notes to local shops Um obviously they're hoping to exchange the for some meager goods that have managed to make it through the supply chain in these periods of hyperinflation. Um and also there's other images of you know people holding up signs saying starving billionaires while standing, you know, behind these huge piles of 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 notes. And we've seen it in many different places. Most recently, I think is the one the one we all remember is Zimbabwe. Um, We remember seeing the twenty thousand dollar notes, the hundred thousand, then the hundred trillion dollar notes, and uh, I've actually bought one of those quite recently weirdly a local car boot sale but you know they're real it happened and the currency had to be devalued and reissued several times actually in Zimbabwe's case and it's actually happening now again in Venezuela in Argentina and and other countries and it will probably happen a lot more going forward and the reason for this is you know the reason it keeps happening is we humans just we know we just can't resist Printing money to oblivion. We just can't resist it. Whatever harebrained scheme we've come up with at the time, we will print money to fund it. Now, that said, uh, we are printing money at an extremely fast rate at the moment, of course, but not due to come out with some crazy idea. This is all about coronavirus and trying to keep economies on track, and we can argue about whether that's the, the right thing or the wrong thing to do all day. I would probably suggest at this stage that governments didn't have much choice, but where we go from here is anyone's guess. Although according to economic theory, of course, we would expect to see some devaluation in those currencies. And we'd see that in inflation and in increasing inflation rates. But of course, you can't see this um, with Bitcoin because um, you can't increase the total supply of Bitcoin. So if there was a total loss of confidence with that cryptocurrency, it would play out in a different way. It'd have to play out in a different way. It would it would manifest itself as a total collapse of exchange rate to dollars or or whichever currency you're used to dealing with. So in other words, Bitcoin, you know, one Bitcoin would equal zero dollars. Now, there's always discussions about how this could happen. uh, But really, in my view, there's only two broad scenarios where Bitcoin has the possibility to fail. Um, There's lots of kind of subsets of this, but let's just consider it really as two broad areas. Even in those situations, though, it may still not be enough to cause a final death blow. So let's have a look at them and, and work out what they mean. So the first scenario is what I call death by regulation. So this is the idea that your government suddenly makes everything even remotely linked to a non-sovereign cryptocurrency illegal and imposes stiff penalties for anyone using it, holding it, working with it, you know, any angle they can think of to make it you know next to impossible to actually use it or do anything with it in real terms. And the reality is that some countries will probably try to do this, but they will all fail. Now, that is a bold claim as well. So let's examine how I've got to that kind of conclusion. So let's just say, for example, you live in the US right now. So, America isn't really anti-Bitcoin, but it's not exactly creating a culture of encouragement either. So, it's kind of neutral, and you could kind of argue that it could go either way. What is certain, though, is that Bitcoin's growth will continue. The thing is, the Federal Reserve probably sees Bitcoin as no more than a sort of little novel toy played with my speculators and those crazy anti-establishment fanatics. The other thing to remember, of course, is that Bitcoin is tiny, only has about a 200 billion dollar market cap. And that is utterly insignificant when you compare it to, say, gold, which has approximately eight trillion dollars value attributed to it, or the American dollar's M2 value, which is somewhere around 75 trillion dollars. Now, of course, uh, you know, if if you're looking at this logically, this is exactly the time the Fed should act if it wants to ban it. But the reality is that they're not likely to do anything until it's an actual real threat to the sovereign currency, i.e. the dollar. And at that point, it will be simply too late because banning it then will just reinforce to people how important it is to have choice. And if it has got that big, then the network effect is already probably too powerful to overcome. There is also an added complication for the Fed because since Bitcoin is truly global and doesn't recognize any border, people will simply circumvent the rules and will be able to do so with relative ease the ban would only be effective if all countries and that means all countries not some countries not most countries not even 99 percent of countries all countries would have to agree and they'd have to get the buy-in of all the local and global banks uh, the car providers other online financial service providers you've got to cut all those on ramps and off ramps simultaneously and the reality is that is absolutely impossible and the reason for that is we just can't agree on anything on a global level. Um, Even as a species we cannot agree to stop pumping highly toxic crap into the atmosphere. This is an act that will actually kill us if we don't stop doing it and we can't even agree on that. So trying to agree on a, stopping a currency that's entirely neutral to the outcome is, is pretty ambitious and probably just a pipe dream. But just for argument's sake let's just Go with it for a minute let's assume that this was somehow possible even then i don't believe it would stop bitcoin on its own because at that point don't forget already will be properly established it's the point at which the countries would finally act so even with no on ramps and off ramps the bitcoin economy would essentially continue to exist but as a kind of closed economy Uh, there'll be no way to switch between financial systems so people would commit to one or the other so why pay for a service or be paid for work in dollars when you could conduct your all your affairs directly in bitcoin and if that was possible again just for argument's sake how would it work in terms of tax well According to Uncle Sam, in that respect, you wouldn't owe any. In legal and financial terms, according to the definitions set by central government, you would no longer be earning anything. But anyway, I don't want to take all of that too seriously, really. That's just a bit of conjecture and just looking at the evidence and seeing what we think might happen. It could be something completely different. Who knows? The point really is that unless all countries on the planet agree unilaterally and simultaneously to ban cryptocurrency and all the related activities as well, then all you'll end up with is a global game of whack-a-mole. So as one popped out, you take that one out, it will just move to a different country and you take that one out, it will just move to another country. And really, as long as there is a single, solitary country somewhere on the planet that is not hostile to cryptocurrency, it could continue entirely unencumbered. And in actual fact, that's already the case. In fact, there are several countries already, so um, you could count Malta in there, Slovenia, um, Switzerland, Singapore... Uh, Bermuda, uh, I mean, that's just a handful. There's there's at least a, another, you know, same number again. So global prohibition is already not a possibility in kind of real practical terms. Although maybe you could argue it could succeed for short periods on a local level. Now, that said, there does remain a second scenario, which could still take Bitcoin out, if you like, although I do think it's equally unlikely. And that's something I call technical Armageddon. Now, the thing is, Bitcoin's network is incredibly secure. Uh, And it's secure to a degree that is quite easy to demonstrate in mathematical terms, but it's actually not that easy to demonstrate using mere words. I mean, Bitcoin is a numerical beast at the end of the day. However, if you take a look under the hood, so to speak, you can see the benefits of a simple, well-designed, decentralized system that has been running for 12 years now almost um, in terms of the amount of uptime that it's had. So it's almost been entirely trouble free for that period of time. You can look at the network statistics actually online at uh, buybitcoinworldwide.com and those statistics and i took this uh, kind of snapshot if you like on wednesday september the 23rd 2020 so to give you the an idea the bitcoin network has been functional for 99.9856125865% of the time now i don't think it's this- quite that necessary to go that far with the decimal places but it is pretty clear that it's been up for some considerable amount of time and in fact there's another little indicator on that page which says the number of days since bitcoin has been down and that's currently sitting at 2753 days which is some seven and a half years if my mental arithmetic is right there are also listed on that same page two downtime events Uh, One of which occurred in 2010 for eight and a half hours and one of which occurred in 2013 for six and a bit hours. And that is it. Apart from that, the network has been up and running. And even those two outages were due to early development issues which were later resolved and haven't occurred since. Now, of course, this is all very impressive and it's something that's probably close to impossible to achieve for any traditional centralized system in fact i I don't know of any systems that have run that long without interruption it's possible they do exist but obviously the nature of a centralized system is that it can have failures and and they do have failures but of course that also works the other way around because the network is bitcoin any failure in it would be instantly devastating at least that's the theory now We know it's unlikely that if this happened, it would be through a design fault because this would have long since been discovered and fixed. The other thing is, since there's an almost infinite amount of redundancy built into the network due to the decentralized nature of the system, a simple failure is also next to impossible. That means the only remaining possibility really is a deliberate attack. And that would probably be a 51% attack. Uh, That is where a rogue player takes control of the network through sheer computing power. Um, But this would be difficult to mount in secret due to the expense and the amount of equipment required. So particularly these days given the amount of hash rate that runs on the Bitcoin network. Now that would mean again it would almost certainly need to be state sponsored um, and the motive I assume would be to stop Bitcoin in gaining against a sovereign currency. But it's not easy to do, um, it's certainly not cheap to do, and you probably wouldn't be able to do it for very long. The most likely outcome would probably be a short term mess that will be fixed when network control resumed. But there is another possibility as well on a technical level, and that is um, to do with Bitcoin's algorithm itself. Now, it is currently one of the most secure on the planet. What if it wasn't? What if it was breakable, perhaps because of a new breakthrough in quantum computing? Now. That's some way off, but there are those who say it could happen even within the next decade. And if that was the case, then obviously that would render Bitcoin pretty useless. This question, though, was recently raised with Andreas Antonopoulos, whose name I can still not pronounce properly, even though I'm a big fan of his and follow his work all the time. Now, he's one of the biggest influencers in the space, one of the biggest thinkers in the space. And if you don't know his work, you really should check it out. When asked, he actually said the solution was pretty simple. In his mind, all we would need to do is simply change the algorithm by consensus. Now, you know, that is really a simplification because that process is not without problems. But it's already pretty much acknowledged that at some point there may well be a need to switch to post-quantum cryptography. And that is to protect all blockchain applications, including Bitcoin itself. But there is yet another twist, because even in this second scenario where a successful attack should utterly destroy confidence pretty much immediately, it still may not succeed in doing so. And funnily enough, there is a strange little precedent that might explain why, and that little precedent is called Ethereum Classic. Now, I don't want to get involved with the whole, you know, my cryptocurrency is better than yours, lunacy, which unfortunately seems to happen any time I mention a digital asset that someone doesn't agree with. So just understand I'm using this only as an example, and I'm using it as an example of a very specific aspect, and that is confidence. Ethereum Classic is ranked as the 31st biggest cryptocurrency by market cap, and it's worth allegedly some $577 million as of September the 23rd 2020 that's its market cap it has also been the target of successful 51% attacks no less than three times in a single month which was last month August 2020 and they weren't even the first 51% attacks now surely a single attack is enough to dent confidence but if you had three then surely that should be enough to finish it completely and and for good why on earth would you mine or use it knowing that there is a real possibility that you could lose your assets at any time however astonishingly not only has volume that's trading volume remained relatively consistent the price has only dropped marginally i mean it's dropped sort of uh, quite a few percent but it hasn't dropped to zero as we would expect certainly as i would expect anyway now, there's all kinds of possible reasons for this. Um, I suspect it's to do with speculation. Um, I suspect it's a lot to do with the fact that a lot of these people had Ethereum Classic as a freebie, really, from the Ethereum fork. And there must presumably be another whole host of reasons, because really, otherwise, it just defies logic and I suspect those reasons may be linked to the community itself it might just be that the underlying community is determined not to let it fail whatever the cost Um, it's possible therefore that there may be a period of kind of Keynesian style market intervention by that community while the issues are addressed in whatever form that might take Of course, that may also be completely incorrect. It it just might be that the market doesn't care either for the asset itself or the tax. Who knows? I mean, I don't pretend to know all the answers to these things. But the only thing we know for sure is that logically speaking, it should be trading at zero, whether that's for the short term or for all time. And it simply isn't. And while Ethereum Classic obviously isn't exactly Bitcoin, is it possible this might give us some clues as to what might happen in a similar situation with the flagship cryptocurrency? Well interestingly that does lead very nicely into one possibly slightly comical angle that we should include in this analysis. And I'm going to call that if Bitcoin goes to zero I'll buy it all syndrome. Now. I've noticed variations of this coming through quite regularly on my Twitter feed over the last few years, but quite recently I've only really sort of clocked just how common this phrase is. And actually, I'll scroll through my Twitter feed and just spend you know a few minutes scrolling up down. And it does come up quite a few times. There have even been times where someone has made this statement randomly and then someone else has challenged them, stating that they pay 10 cents a Bitcoin to have it all instead of their initial offer of 1 cent, which inevitably then is followed by someone else offering 50 cents or a dollar, and so on until we find ourselves back in a free market for bargain basement Bitcoin. And as everyone else has pointed out, you'd only take a loss... That is in fiat currency terms, not Bitcoin terms, of course, if you actually sold, i.e. exchange your Bitcoin for fiat currency. And if there's one thing that the Ethereum Classic precedent tells us, that may not happen anyway. Now, we can go a bit further with this because Plan B, the creator of the now famous stock to flow model, added a sort of another chain of thought to this by carrying out a completely unscientific poll on his 135,000 followers last month with the following results. So here's the question. He asked, you are probably bullish on Bitcoin, but what if Bitcoin price does not increase sharply in the next few years? At what point would you sell? So below $6,000, 16% of respondents selected that one. Below $3,000, 6% on that one. Below $1,000, almost 6% on that one. And the last option is never. I'll ride it all the way down to $0. And that came in at 72%, which is probably unsurprising and gives you some idea about the passion and support from the cryptocurrency community. Now, what that means is, those followers, that 72%, claim they would still keep their Bitcoin even if the fear equivalent was absolute zero. Now, if that happens, then mathematically speaking, as we've already seen, that couldn't happen anyway due to the sheer number of the kind of I'll buy it all at X amount brigade who are out there. And what I think we can safely assume that some of those are in that 72%. And anyway, it's all kind of irrelevant because there's one thing I can absolutely promise you today. I can promise you that Bitcoin will never go to absolute zero. And the reason is I'll buy it all off you anyway for old time's sake and I'll buy it for peanuts. Although given what I've just said and given the queue that might lie ahead of me, I'm really starting to wonder whether I'd actually stand a chance of doing that. Thanks for listening today. If you've got any comments or questions on this podcast, please message me on Twitter at Jason A. Dean. Or if you'd like to know more on the subject of Bitcoin and finance in general, then join me on medium.com forward slash at Jason A. Dean. And don't forget that E when you're typing in my name or you won't find me. Now, if you've been waiting patiently for your £10 of Bitcoin, this is where you get rewarded. All you need to do is open the Luno app and type in the code I'm about to give you. Now, I should say, if you haven't confirmed your account yet, you really should do that first. It only takes a minute and it does make life a hell of a lot easier. You do that by going to Profile, Settings, Verification. And it's the usual mugshot and ID that you use on all banking apps these days. And it's usually processed within a couple of minutes. Now, sometimes it isn't. You might have to wait a little bit longer, but 99% of the time, it's it's pretty much a straightforward uh, confirmation. Now, once done, and remember, you only have to do that part once. You just go to the section called Rewards at the bottom of the screen, press the Enter a Code button, and type in the following: that's P D U K one two X. So that's Papa Delta Uniform Kilo one two X, and that's it. Your ten pounds in Bitcoin will be credited instantly if you're in europe it'll be the equivalent of 10 pounds so that's about 11 euros i think at the moment now you can use that just to play with the app and explore it but of course you can buy more bitcoin easily once you're set up and go from there so i'll leave that with you to play with and i'll see you next time on the bitcoin and global finance podcast